Sportsnet 5 Night of the Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Were any of the Leafs a tool yesterday? Oh, I, I don't see. know. I see. I, I, and if I had to guess, I would say that this group, and, and maybe I'm doing too much of the, like, Justin Bieber is buds with yeah. Austin Matthews. That's the type of music that they enjoy. But I don't. It's and also age, it's age. Yeah, age. age. It's like what? Like TJ Brody, maybe. How old is Maynard? Like, he's <laughs> in his 50s, right? Like, how, what are we talking about? I don't know. All right, John okay. Tavares, if anybody. But it's like, you want to talk <laughs> about a, you want to talk about a non-musical guy? He's like, oh yeah, when the I'm be familiar pops. with music, <laughs> it's like that's the thing with instruments, right? <laughs> Great. Right. You're not going to ask me about the goal song, are you? <laughs> that that's where yeah. he would think it's going. Yeah, no, it's like age-wise, it's pretty much just Brody or mm. JT. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe Re- Revo's old. Mm. Gio, you know, oh, like, I do. I, you know what? It, but it's like he's also 40 and he just got back from Sweden. Yeah, he's like, that, no, do I want to? Our man <laughs> Kyle Brandt would say that guy's going to bed. That's what he's doing. It's like, I'm going to go sit in my house and not talk to anybody for a week. Uh, we God. might have to play that later today. Yeah. If you missed it, Kyle Brandt with just the 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 rant hacking inside of both our brains of if I'm being nice to you in public, it's like, just know that's not really me because yeah. I just want to go back in my house and not talk to anybody. Kyle Brandt retired from making friends. Uh, God. On the air so good. on NFL Network. Anyways, uh, Leafs going to hit the practice ice for the first time since uh, taking all four points in Sweden against teams on the back end of back-to-back. So uh, that was, I mean, necessary, but they accomplished the job. They've now won four straight. We, Mission accomplished. W banner yeah. hanging on the airship. <laughs> we get to see if they can extend their winning streak to five uh, Friday afternoon in Chicago against the Blackhawks. Um, so on Monday... They actually sent down Bobby McMahon and Simon Benoit Bobby. to the Marlies who played yesterday. They mm. lost to the Phantoms. By the way, like, listen, if you wanted to get your hockey fix, could have done it in AHL fashion yesterday. Marlies yeah, nice. were in action. And Jack Campbell was getting a shutout, okay, call, call for the up. Condors. Call him up. 30 save shutout for Jack Campbell after allowing at least four goals in his first three starts in the American League. But, God. Thank goodness probably that still didn't continue. In the post for my game. poor little heart. Probably still in the post game. It's like, I know I had the shutout tonight, but I'm still thinking about three games ago. <laughs> yeah, I know. When I hung that one on the boys. Yeah. So the AHL played yesterday. Uh, so maybe they'll be called back up for Friday's game, but maybe not. There's also the Connor Timmons thing hanging mm-hmm. over things. I mean, what are you expecting the big news item out of today's post-practice media availability to be? I don't think we get a definitive news item. I think the idea of the least coming back from this and, hey, here's the lineup for Friday. Timmons is in and so-and-so is going to sit and Revo's still out. And, like, I don't think they're going to be super forthright with that. The Timmons thing is obviously, I mean, outside of Klingberg, the most interesting wrinkle of all this because I have actually liked what they got, what they've got out of Benoit. But I also understand that, you know, you have Connor, T- Connor Timmons in the fold and you do want to see what you what you have there. And as much as I've liked what I've seen with Benoit, it's not like it's been earth shattering and you must keep him well, in the lineup. And also or, Timmons is not uh, waivers eligible. Exactly. Right? That's the other part of it. I mean, that's the biggest part of it for Timmons specifically. But it's also about them wanting to get him in, in games. The McMahon thing, I think, is a little more puzzling. That one I could see being more of a paper transaction because there is... Again, you know, we we see this all the time of teams doing the daily cap chicanery for how much room they're able to carry at the deadline. And I could see that being much more of a paper move. Now, having said that, 
if you were going to play Ryan Reeves, a back-to-back is a time that makes sense. So maybe you say, okay, he had his little comment about Corey Perry. You feel you owe it to him to put him in the lineup in that game. Maybe that's what happens. That's the way I could see that playing out. But the big question we all have is regarding John Klingberg, and I don't think we're getting anything close to certainty on that today. Although if you hear from the insiders, it seems like maybe we're, we're getting closer to that. But I just, the way this organization has always operated, there's no way Keith comes out of practice and is like, well, here's the deal, da-da-da-da-da. Well, okay, if I'm putting on my tinfoil hat, I would yeah, say please. that the, the, the McMahon-Benoit um, moves are indicative of what we might hear today or what mm. might be coming this week. If you're pretty sure John Klingberg's going on LTIR, you don't need to do much of anything, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's a big chunk of change that you can just free up. You throw more than $4 million bucks in yep. cap space on LTIR and... Sure, you need to figure things out if he's coming back at some point this season. But I think if he's going on LTIR, the the discussion is about, hey, yeah, is his career over? Is somebody gonna gonna take him uh, in trade at the trade deadline? He may have if he goes on if John Klingberg goes on LTIR, he may have played his final game as a Toronto Maple. Well, Leaf. yeah, there's no there is no point of him going on LTIR for six weeks or Mm -hmm. for two months or until that, like, unless again, he comes off just to be shipped to some other team in a cap fodder trade. But (laughs) the idea that he goes and it's like, Oh, clear your head, get yourself right. And then what, then you have a cap problem again to deal with when Mm -hmm. he comes back. No, once he goes on, it is to remove themselves of this problem to extricate themselves from this situation. So I, I just think the way this team has always been the idea of it, coming out today, I would be, I'd be floored if it happened. I feel like they try to bury the news. Mm. It's like, we are all, it's going to be like white smoke coming out of, out bury of, the Klingberg LTIR news. I, well, I think that I don't think they want to come back and have it be a 10 alarm blaze. I think they're feeling good from this Sweden trip. Mm-hmm. And as much as the fan, yeah, but base, that's the number one question though. Well, but as much as the fan base would say, would say, yes. Oh, that's great. It's not a 10 alarm blaze. It's like a 10 alarm party because we're so excited. It's disco balls everywhere. I think <laughs> ten that. 10 alarm party. Yeah, whatever the opposite of a blaze is. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Maybe party. A blaze, maybe no. a blaze of water. Party. Like yeah. a 10 alarm, like, yeah. I don't typhoon. know, water park. A yeah. typhoon. Okay. Yeah, that also seems devastating. That seems really, that seems so much worse. I got to yeah. be honest <laughs> than just a little fire. Okay. Uh-huh. People in Chicago don't want to hear that. All right. Whew. Back on the rails. The thing that I look at with this team is they have always, and this isn't, I'm not talking about this year with true living. I'm talking about the kind of whole Shanahan era is it's not that they'll run away from it. It's not that they'll want to bury it, but if they were going to come back from Sweden with like, okay, clean slate, Klingberg's going on LTIR. I think they would have just done that. Well, no one at the team Mm. had to stand there and answer questions about it for a couple of days. I think they would have done that coming out of the Sweden trip, kind of not bury it, but sweep it in with, with all of that. That's the way I would see them going about it. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, and again, to my point, I don't think it's happening. Yeah. I, I, I think maybe you can try and message that the, he had to get on a plane again. And mm-hmm. boy, oh, you, you thought it was rough on the old body traveling to Sweden, try sw- <laughs> traveling back from Sweden on an aeroplane. We're going to give him the John Madden treatment. No more airplanes for John Klingberg. He's taking buses everywhere. Like, yeah, there's only so many times you can do that. And you also can't just have $4 million in cap space just sitting there as a healthy scratch or an unhealthy scratch, like with him not quite 100% right, but not injured enough to be on LTIR, not wanting him to be Mm -hmm. away from the team or him not accepting being away from the team as long as LTIR would take him away. Because again, like 
the amount of time, mm-hmm. the time requirement for LTIR, it's not going to be an issue. Like, it's not that much longer. But you got to play, what is it, 10 games? Yeah. You got to miss 10 games? Yeah, thanks, NHL. And they really made it easy on the Leafs in this He's only stretch. missed two because, remember, he played the second half yes. of the back-to-back between Calgary and Vancouver, which is, man, if you are... If you're trying to make up an injury for a guy, it's probably not ideal that like 24 hours later he's playing in a game and actually looking at his most effective, by which I mean he didn't look horrible in a game they allowed no five-on-five goals on. I was just going to say, this isn't what happened, but it's like, they're, it's like well, I wonder if a small piece of me thinks they're, they were sitting there going, mm, he's so decrepit. Put him out there. Surely he'll break on the Saturday night. Surely. Yeah. yeah didn't, didn't happen. happen. Didn't no, happen. Didn't the, happen again. The plane, though. That is the most dangerous ah, thing in the, the plane. world. So, yeah. I expect them to say, hey, he's working his way back, and maybe he doesn't play on Friday, but, like, that he gets in on the weekend, I don't think is uh, an, a, an unrealistic possibility. And I well, think part of what we saw mm-hmm. on Monday with those transactions would lead you down the path of that the $4 million bucks is not coming off the books anytime soon. You could... Now, somebody smarter on the cap can feel free to correct me. But they don't exist in this room, by no, the way. No, I'm very aware. That's why I feel so comfortable saying this, because okay. I know you're not going to correct me now, but I'm throwing the caveat <laughs> that if someone else is out there, the LTIR me. stuff, I still don't I know, understand. I still, like, I still accruing and like well, how so you this got him, like, first day one of the seat. Like, is, come on. As much as you're saying like, oh, he's not going to go on because they moved those guys down. I don't know. Like, could we not just as easily make the case that because those guys are sent down, you add that to the cap space that Klingberg has, and then that allows you to go out and get a 4.3 or $4.7 million guy or whatever the, like, daily cap hit accruement is. I oh, do I don't wonder. Think, I don't think they're they're making a trade to, the, like, anytime soon. Like, I think you trades, don't think they're You no. don't think they're picking up the carcass of Calgary? You don't think so? Sure. Like, I'm sure they're making inquiries, but I don't think, one, that Calgary's packing up the... I don't think they're 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 saying the season's over yet. One and and two, I think they're going to let this thing play out, and that there's more. They hope that more teams are involved in the bidding for their three free agent defensemen. I I don't think, and I think when that happens, mm-hmm. that you can easily, yeah, just it, again, it's going to be a negative asset that you send mm-hmm. out out the door with John Klingberg. But yeah, that he is obviously the guy that you toss overboard in in a trade to whoever you're dealing with as far as blue line help and the most obvious team is the Calgary Flames. I just I do not think that in the month of November Maple Leafs are swinging the massive blue line trade that they need to swing. When yeah, I mean there's the 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 impetus for every team that needs a defenseman is going to go up and up and up and up and up and the price is going to go up and up and up and up and up as we get closer to the deadline. I just I don't see it happening now. I I don't think one is imminent by any means, but I just think I could see the other side of it as well with those roster moves and giving themselves just the hair more wiggle room. Well, I will say regarding the trade, there's a couple things that it's Calgary specific if it happens. And I, I don't know how much this is true, but I think they're all fair questions to ask is how much is there a Toronto tax because it will be the most eyeballs possible on the trade yeah. if it's to the Leafs. The how much is, well. how much is the Toronto tra- tax because of Brad for living? And then I actually hadn't even thought about this, but it was Fridge who brought it up on 32 Thoughts. How much of it is the Toronto tax in the sense that outside of the Oilers, Flames fans hate the Leafs probably yeah. the next most among yeah. the league. Like it is sure. basically seen as that. Now, I think at the end of the day, 
Connor is going to make the deal that makes the most sense for him. And if that, if that is Toronto with or without the tax, I think he would do it. I don't think it's a non-starter for him, but I think all of that is at play. If you're a team like Toronto, that's trying to set the market. I, I don't discount that those are possibilities. I also think that the Leafs, Again, it, nothing's been a Picasso this season. The last four games, even though they've all been victories, none of them have been a Picasso. Remember, it started mm-hmm. with a shootout victory That's right. against the Calgary Flames. The Canucks game is great. Great game. Mm-hmm. Start to finish. Great 60 minutes. And then in Sweden, all right, they came back against the Red Wings and then you know blew a lead against the Wild, but uh, William Nylander saved them. Whatever. They the groovy up, dude put on his cape. They picked up those four points. And certainly this Leafs team needs blue line help. Like, nobody's going to argue that. But this is not an Oilers situation where the Oilers just need a goalie. Mm-hmm. Like, immediately. Because they need to win tomorrow. Yep. Like, they need it. Because if they don't, like, sand through the hourglass, their season is slipping away. It is American Thanksgiving tomorrow. So, I mean, it's like they're going to have to be one of the outlier teams because what does Friedman say? Like, over 80% of teams in a yeah. playoff spot in, on American Thanksgiving I, make the playoffs. All I know is it's not good if you're not in the playoffs. It's not a zero possibility that you make the playoffs if you're not in a playoff spot by American Thanksgiving. And the Oilers certainly have mm-hmm. the talent to make that happen, but they need to get better than an 850 save percentage, which is about what they've gotten. Like, the Oilers, I, I don't discount the possibility of the Oilers making a stupid trade, right? Like overpaying for a goalie because they need to do that. And the Maple Leafs certainly need to add blue line help, but they're making do. Mm -hmm. Like they're getting by. Well, and the other thing is, is that, you know, we always talk about it. Of the Leafs need to upgrade the blue line, the Leafs need to upgrade the blue line. And, you know, like this is a larger conversation, but I don't know, like Sidorov, Tanev, it's like they're upgrades on what you have at the bottom of that. Right. But does it add anything to the high end of your team? Like Zadorov scores from the blue line. You like that. He plays on the third pairing in Calgary. He's very tall. You you like that as well. But to your point, that's where he plays. Now, part of that is that the Flames, they have a really, they have a deep blue line. It's Mm -hmm. a very, very good group. Like it's, it's remarkable that a group like that has any questions about making the playoffs, quite honestly, with how much we talk about defense in, in this sport. But, you know, Tanev, he for sure gives you a different mix. You love to add him in. It's almost like the Jake Muzzin trade again for way shorter term. But mm-hmm. does that does that completely reset the blue line? Like that's the other part of it as well. Is that if there is a big defenseman swing to be made, I I don't know that those guys do it. Like the the confusing part of all this from the Leafs perspective is the kind of Luke Shen theory of. Do you need to get the best defenseman? Because look at who Morgan Riley and everybody has had success alongside Brody here. Mm-hmm. But look at Riley's best partners. Him and Shen were great. Mm-hmm. Him and Honey. Him and Hainsey. Mm-hmm. Him and Roman Pol. Okay, maybe not that one. But he has always thrived along kind of those style of defensemen. So I do wonder if, you know, you get a Tanev, you pair him up with a Riley or something like that, then Brody is freed up to go elsewhere. But yeah, I just, I look at those guys and I don't know that any of them outside of the ones they're not trading. Like, yeah, Rasmus Anderson changes things for this blue line. You ain't getting them, so. Uh, the Flames are two points out of a playoff spot right now. Yeah. Okay? So, like, yeah, I, I get it. Like, the, the the discourse around a team that missed the playoffs a season ago uh, by a single point mm-hmm. ended up with more points yep. than the team that went to the Stanley Cup Finals in the Eastern Conference. Um, yeah, it feels like a disappointing season, and it may end up that they are on the outside of the postseason picture looking in. But, yeah, again, like Craig Conroy in year one isn't going to be like, oh, November, we're two points out of the playoffs. Sell Take them. all our defensemen that we're not going to re-sign. I do like to... Even though, like, two weeks ago, he's like, Noah Hannafin, yeah. here's $60 million. Yeah, I, I do like the idea of every team that calls 
Conroy about a D. He goes, okay, well, well, I have you here. Can I interest you in a Jonathan Huberdeau? Would you like one of those? <laughs> He's turning it around, though. Uh, yeah. He's turning it around. Yeah. The, uh, the the Jonathan Huberdeau that, that was in uh, Florida in the Eastern Conference and mm-hmm. the Jonathan Huberdeau that exists in the Western Conference mm-hmm. as a man getting deeper and deeper into his 30s. Mm-hmm. Uh, boy, I could have told you that one was not going to age well, and mm-hmm. it's not. Speaking of aging well, though, time now for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great <laughs> Canadian Meats. Yesterday. The greatest athletic feet in the history of mankind video emerging a 50 year old Ichiro Suzuki pitching a complete game shutout on 116 pitches <laughs> against the high school girls team which I was confused about I, I was able to find Did some you do more some research information on this? Thank about you. this okay but as a pitcher he had nine strikeouts and he topped out at 86 miles an hour love it um he also went two for five of the play with the what, double what it, did Ryu top out at when he came back I, he can Rush it up there to like, yeah, almost 90, I think. But yeah, it's not not <laughs> that far off. Immediately where He's also mind. not 50 years old. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Daisuke Matsuzaka was also on this like all-star team of old guys. He was playing shortstop, though. <laughs> so, I don't know. Is he throwing gyro balls to first base? It's the second time Ichiro has played an exhibition game against a girls team at the Tokyo Dome. First year was conceived as a way to boost female participation in the sport. Nice. So that's what it comes down to, right? Because it was also... <laughs> Yeah, it was that was a confusing part of this. I mean, there's a lot of confusing parts of this. But because I'll, uh, I'll be honest, in my head, Ichiro, I just picture him sitting there because I imagine I don't know mm-hmm. that this is true in like a palace where he just uh, anything he wants, it is beck and call, and it's just like it is brought to him. He's like, hmm, mm-hmm. I'd like to dominate some 16 year old girls <laughs> in baseball, please bring them to me. <laughs> in the first time he did this, he also threw a complete game last year. He struck out 14, but he allowed a run in the first oh, inning bomb. after a. Triple. Oh, uh, so that girl. That, uh, honestly, like that girl. So yeah, she she must already have achieved legendary status, especially when you consider one of the stories that has emerged out of each row in this post playing career is that he went to a school and and did a, a hitting clinic. And he hit a home run that broke a window, and the school had like an excavator, like try and preserve amazing. the broken window so they Phenomenal. could frame it and like have it in like their hall of fame that Ichiro well, broke the window. That's amazing. Anyway, so that's exactly what should happen. Fifty-year-old Ichiro still getting it done against a high school girls team. That is just so funny to me. I saw it and I was so confused as to why it was happening. It did make me think a little bit also. This is like much more a thing and and not this specifically, but I've seen this of, you know, and we're seeing it with Christine Sinclair here, the idea of these like farewell games for people. Mm-hmm. Just made me think about this. You mentioned Daisuke playing in these. It's like, I've seen some stories coming of this out of Sweden. They had an incredible game last year for for Salming, uh, an alumni game. Marion Hosa had like a retirement game where all of his old teammates came over and stuff. And it just feels like that is the one thing in North America maybe we could do uh, a little better. Like when the Penguins went to Cole Harbor, I thought that was awesome. Like, why don't they do that once every five years? It's like, you should do that for, for Sid. He should get to have that game. The people there should get to have that. And it's like, does it matter for us sitting here in Toronto? No, but it's like the NHL star from Timmins or, you know, somebody from Burlington or something like that. Mm. It's like, go have a local game with all the guys. Josh Anderson? Eh, maybe not him. <laughs> Shane Wright. That's our new hope. Okay. Yeah. The city He'd of Burlington. something, though. The, yeah, it'd be nice. The city of Burlington has stopped tweeting out, congratulating Josh Anderson after scoring goals against the Leafs. So we, nice. we've made big strides there. <laughs> that was like, the, I'm, I'm rocking my Burlington Bulldogs. That was hat, the first the thing I like took to arms at 
when I moved to the city of Burlington. I just immediately <laughs> did you tweet start, at the I city was of Burlington. I tweeting at the city with the Jonah Hill at the Oscars, I think it is, gif of like yeah. the cutthroat. Yeah. Like, don't do that. Don't do that. Back to Ichiro for oh, a right. second. So he's 50 years old. Um, I, I've played in these like exhibition type things with guys that you are retired. Ichiro? No, but I played in like, you know, celebrity yeah, yeah. softball games. Yeah, right? we played We're, in the Baycrest. Yeah. Yeah. There's like no upside really to these guys to doing like to trying their hardest because they look like hardos and like no. what if they fail it's like embarrassing that Ichiro doesn't care like no. Ichiro <laughs> needs to play baseball at the <laughs> highest level he possibly can this guy is psychotic when, like in a good way yeah furthermore get him on a major league bench <laughs> he is psychotic in a good way about baseball he'd been quoted before he actually physically retired from major league baseball because he remember he was clinging for dear life just to hold on to a roster for as long as long as possible that you know he was asked hey what are you gonna do when baseball's done he's like i don't know maybe die so like <laughs> i think he needs to keep doing this forever and ever and ever and i i think we need to we need to create a better ecosystem for him because I, I'm sure the girls, the 15-year-old girls that got to play against him were like, they were honored to be shut out by Ichiro throwing 86. Yeah. But I, I, I think we need to create like a plus 40, like we need a senior circuit. We need like a senior tour for Ichiro because this is, this is unbecoming a little bit. Okay, so I will say that you're right. We do need a, a place for him to test his wares. Like why isn't the all-star festivities just like let Ichiro do what he wants day <laughs> yeah just bring let's him have in. him recreate that uh, a viral clip of like throwing yes. the ball like hitting the the bats at All that are it. at home plate like uh, is it like in right field yeah, but the honestly just arm. let him do that and uh, and again uh where my mind goes to this is Ichiro doing it at 50 years old in an exhibition game against uh 16 year old girls Yarbir Yager doing it at 51 in a pro league in mm -hmm. Czechia still I love these guys who just Cannot quit. Now, Yager's circumstances, little different. He's like, he's not worried he'll die. He'll worry the franchise will die over mm -hmm. there. But how can you look at that with anything other than just admiration for guys who just love what they do oh, yeah. so much? Like, that's all. Like, I have always been somebody like that. It's like I've tied so much of myself to my work throughout my whole life. It's like, and I'm so much worse at what I do than any of those guys. And it's like, I just, I admire that so much. The idea of just never being able to give it up, never being able to stop. I admire it, I yeah, guess. You're like, but I hate I'm like, that. you have a million. No, dollars. no, no. Uh, like, I just, I wouldn't do it. Like, if I had the financial security to not work, I'd be not working. And I'd be probably know. golfing. What you would? You would keep working for free? I hope the bosses are listening. Not for free. No, I'd, I'd <laughs> I would. I've actually thought about this a lot. It's like if I ever won the lottery, I would like. I do think I would like sit sit there and like think of like hmm, what would my dream be and mm. then it's like try to sell that to the bosses and it's like do you want me at this no mm. all right well it's been a good run mm. that's how i think it would go this conversation continuing into the break all right when we come back <laughs> we'll talk to uh, doug mcclain author of draft day how hockey teams pick winners or get left behind we'll uh, talk to him about all things leafs also the hell's going on with his former franchise blue jackets in turmoil at next as the fan morning show continues ben annis brent gunning sports at 590 the fan Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sports on 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. 
It's American Thanksgiving tomorrow, which means it's Black Friday on Friday. And yep. I know we, yep. we, like, last couple yep. of years... This, yep, confirm. This country has kind of adopted Black Friday as, mm-hmm. as a big shopping day here as well. Yeah. People don't have it off, though. Um, I'm taking Friday off. I was going to say, do they not have it? Do people not I, have it off? Listen. Or there are two people in this room. One of them's working. The other one has an American wife yep. and American in-laws, and we're doing Thursday night, Thanksgiving, and I actually am going to go shopping on... Friday, like I'm gonna go to a mall. Mm, don't. Mm-mm. I I I'm I've never done it before mm, in this country because so don't. But like I do wonder how packed it's yeah. gonna be because people are supposed to be work. I don't know. I'll, mm. I'll report back on Monday. But uh, no, you won't because we're gonna have t- uh, two Leafs games to talk about. So there will be no. No, we'll fit it in. No, we actually. I'll lead the, I'll no. lead the show with uh, will, my shopping experience. I'll be so mad at you if you do that. But listen, if you're doing some Christmas shopping, maybe you want to pick up uh, Draft Day. How hockey teams mm. pick winners or get left behind. That book authored by our next guest, Doug McLean. How's it going, Doug? Great, guys. How are you guys doing? I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing very. Uh, doing very well. Hey, yeah. What? Really appreciate you having me on. Yeah. I think it's the first time I've been on this show. This I'm, I feel really uh, well. It's Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for it. Good. I'm glad. Yeah, you you should. Um, yeah, it's great to have you on, Doug. Um, this is again an, an exciting time for you, hawking the book uh, around uh, Christmas time. Like, how how much are you are you monitoring the the sales of this book? Like, uh, how uh, how how much are you are you hustling in the streets trying to get this thing off the shelves? Oh, I'm hustling like crazy, man! Down in Delray Beach, Florida, I've been working my tail off. It's big down there. <laughs> it's really big. But you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, I was a little hesitant to do the book, and then. When Simon and Schuster phone, I jumped on. But anyway, it's seven weeks in a row uh, on the bestseller list there in Canada, go. so we're we're pretty we're pretty pleased. And then Indigo come out uh, last week and announced it's uh, on their list of best gift giving uh, ideas for the holidays. So we're really excited about Indigo's announcement. So it's it's been selling like uh, I know Simon and Schuster are thrilled, and so am I. So we're really pleased with the the response. Yeah, and I don't even think that counts the books you're selling, like with the like lemonade style stand. I picture you having it there on the beach in Florida. Like I picture you with a yes, little table. There's right. a little umbrella. You're willing to sign, but I know that costs extra. So like I, again, like we're really happy for you, Doug, and and happy the books uh, do doing doing so well there. You know, there's there's so much to talk about in in the league right now. I mean, we've been so bogged down in in Leafs land, but I actually want to start uh, Oilers with you. I mean, I've heard John Kipper and Bourne. You've been you've been on this. Uh, you know, in terms of the I mean, just the the struggles that they've been going through in Edmonton. It's one thing when you can't get a save, but I don't think that's the only thing that's going on there. What are you seeing in in terms of not just the play on the ice, but in terms of how it's maybe affecting uh, the the lead guy there in McDavid? Well, I think it's tough. You know, you've got young young superstars that are that are going through a tough time. I mean, it's funny how goaltending goaltending has always been been the the biggest part of any team in NHL history like let's not kid ourselves it, you, your team thrives off the confidence that you get from the back end and and uh, you know the, the they got in a hole because of tough goaltending when Jack Campbell you know was really struggling and couldn't get it done and and besides Jack Campbell struggling let's not kid ourselves they I mean they were poor defensively their their defensive posture was was you know, really bad from a defense group 
to a forward group. And that's what you have to do when your goaltend's struggling. They didn't give Jack support defensively. They were out shooting teams, you know, 40 shots a game in a lot of games and, and not getting chances. But I've never seen where stars on a team have struggled that badly along with goaltend. And so Connor, McDavid, and Dreisaitl both have had such abnormal starts to their season. I still think they make the playoffs, guys. Mm. I still think they'll figure this out and get it going. And I think there's enough ad teams in the West that they can sneak in. But it's it's going to be a battle. But I, I look, I, I just don't know what Ted Pickard's not the answer in goal. Yeah. Skinner, you hope can be, but I, I'm I'm really concerned. And you know, I mean, a guy's already a couple guys have already lost their jobs, coaches. You don't like to see that. And uh, now it's going to be interesting what Knobloch does. He's got a good reputation. I know uh, Jeff Jackson really likes him from their history together. I'm sure Kenny likes him because the kid has been Knobloch's been name's been out there for a while as a potential head coach, so it shouldn't surprise a lot of people. Plus you know, the Connor connection with with Holland specifically. How do you think it's this season or the decisions he makes? And look, he's not making them alone. Like you mentioned, Jeff Jackson is in the the role above him there. It's not like Holland's going out and making moves and Jackson's surprised by them. But how much do you think that this is possibly maybe likely Holland's last year? affect the moves he makes like we all want to go out with a successful run but the Oilers need to have a successful year regardless so I don't know that it changes the equation much but do you do you think it would at all the fact that this is possibly Holland's last year well it is it is Kenny's last year I mean he's you know he's he's made that fairly clear his contract expires and he he's ready to move on he's had a hall of fame career you know, 25 straight years in Detroit of not missing the playoffs and Stanley Cups. He's had a Hall of Fame career, so you know he's ready to to move on. And you know, I, I just you know, actually, I know that's what's going to happen. But you know, he and Jeff are, have got to try to fix this. And don't think Kenny's not. I, I know Kenny Holland very well. I guarantee you, every day, he and Jeff are, are working to try to solve this goaltending problem. But Boys, it, it's not easy to find the goaltending. I mean, goaltending's tough enough to find in the summertime yeah. to plug that to plug that hole. Teams have been mucking for ages. So, you know, you saw Skinner come close to a Calder Cup last year. You think, okay, this kid's ready to take a step, but he's still a young goaltender, guys. And and when you have young goaltenders, you need defensive posture like like nobody's business. You know, to make sure that 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 goaltender grows. So. They, you know, they've got to figure it out defensively, first of all. And I suspect that's what Knobloch's working on uh, every day. And that's how we're going to play defensively as a group. Mm. So, yeah, Chris Knobloch, uh, Connor McDavid's old coach in Erie, and, of course, Jeff Jackson, his former agent. And Connor McDavid, after um, the coaching change, wanted it to be known to the world that he's not the guy pulling the strings, does not want to be viewed as the guy that's that's above everybody else that is involved in the decision-making with that team. But it's hard not to connect the dots. What, what do you what do you think is hap- happening uh, between Connor McDavid and the Oilers organization as far as them maybe coming to him and asking his opinion on, on all matters, coaching and executive level? Like, what, what do you think is actually happening? I call BS on it. I really do. I think... I know Jeff well, and I know Kenny well, and I know they, they converse with their players. But I guarantee you that Jeff Jackson and Kenny made the call on this. And I don't think they went to Connor at all. Jeff, Jeff's had seven, eight players play for Knobloch over the years. He knows them very well. He's, he's thought he was a real solid coach. 
I don't think Jeff, and I'm serious when I tell you this, guys, I I would put money on it that Jeff Jackson would not go to Connor because he is not he Jeff's a smart guy and he's a hockey guy. He's played the game, he's a first round pick. Jeff knows the pressure that puts on Connor McDavid. He doesn't need that kind of pressure on him right now as a player. I know he's a superstar. I know he's over well paid. I know all I get all that. I guarantee you he didn't go to him on this decision, and I think it's a bunch of BS that's out there. Do you think he, he being Jeff Jackson, weighed the fact that, you know, for lack of a better term, idiots like Ben and I would say, ah, look at this, McDavid's pulling all the strings. Like, how much do you think he would have considered that when looking at Knobloch as the guy he wanted? Because, again, if that's the guy he wants, that's the guy he wants. But you got to look at all factors. Do you think that that would have been at all yeah. a consideration of, I don't want yeah, it to appear think- that way? I would think it would have been a concern. I, I would think it would have been a concern, and it's a natural, it's a natural reaction for people. So I'm not, I'm not being critical of you and I and everybody else thinking that that may have happened. I just know Jeff well, and I when I when I watched Jeff at the podium say that he didn't talk to the players about this decision, I believe it. Look, we talk to the players as GMs and presidents. We talk to the players. About like lots of times I would go to a player and say, "Tell me, tell me about Adam Foot. Mm-hmm. You know, is this a guy you, you've played with him? You were with him a couple of years in Colorado. Is this a guy? You know, you, you say subtle things like that to get you know character information. You know, you don't you don't go to them mm-hmm. about their talent. You go to them about their character. Now, has has Jeff and 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 Connor talked about Knobloch over their careers? I guarantee you they have. I guarantee you there's been many discussions about what a good coach is, what a good guy is, how good a job he did here, how good a job he did there. But I don't think he went to him and said, Connor, do you think I should bring him to Edmonton? I don't think he did that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's unfair that McDavid, and McDavid's carrying that right now, and, and he, I'll guarantee you this, he doesn't need that on his shoulders right now. He needs to carry the team, not Knobloch and everybody oh, else. God, he looks so frustrated too, Doug. Like, I, I don't know what I else know they can do. Like, are they protecting him enough? <laughs> I don't know what look, you can I, do, you know, but I, yeah. Listen, I was, I guarantee, look, I was with Stevie Y in Detroit for four years, and, and I watched Stevie Y go through the very same thing as, as Connor's going through. Stevie Eiserman was in his 14th year in the NHL before he won a Stanley Cup. 14th season. Most guys don't play 14. Stevie Y won his first cup in 14 years. Mm-hmm. And Stevie Y became the greatest lead, one of the greatest leaders in the history of the game when he had a supporting cast around him that could help him. That's when he became the great leader. And I'll tell you what, it, that's, you know, you can talk about Connor, you can talk about Sid. You need supporting cast to become stars, guys. And and right now, it looks like that supporting cast there still isn't good enough. And that's that's when he'll become the superstar. Yeah, I mean, everybody everybody needs help, right? Like, there's no nobody in the history of this sport has yeah. done it alone, right? We talk about Gretzky all the time. 100%. He had pretty good teammates uh, around him. Uh, somebody who has, at times, been tasked with doing it himself uh, in his NHL career in a market you know very, very well. Patrick Laine in Columbus. You know, it's kind of crazy to think back, and I don't know that they were ever... Why are you, ne- why are you, ruining, why are you ruining my day? Why are you ruining my day? <laughs> well, like, the, you, guys, you guys love this, eh? Well, I mean, I look at it and I go, this is a guy who, at times, he was never quite neck and neck with Matthews, but, man, he was right there. I mean, taken right behind him in the draft. He had the rookie season. 
you know, what do you see him with a player going through it like that? And when it's somebody who so clearly has the, the talent where you say you've got to find a way to, to make this work, you know, I know they've moved well, him to center at times. Well, what do you see in there, Doug? Well, first of all, you trade Dubois for him. You know, Dubois wanted out. Dubois and Tortorella had the great battle on the bench. In, wasn't it the Leaf series that happened? Yes, it as was. As a matter of fact, probably. You know, that, that was the start of the, of the Dubois exit. All of a sudden, Dubois is a star in L.A. Line A comes. Line A is, is well, you're 100% right. He was neck and neck. Dubois, Matthews, that trio was right there as the best three of, way above anybody else in that draft, I think. If, I can't recall who, who the four guy was, but I'll tell you what, uh, it's been a disaster. It was I mean, uh, Jesse Pooley-Arvey. That's why you can't remember Mac. Exactly. That's why I can't remember. I tried to forget him. But Good uh, job. listen, here, here, here's the problem. It, it, number one, when you have a star like this as a, as a coach, you don't you don't sit them in a one-one game for the last ten minutes of the game. You don't sign a guy for fifty and sixty and seventy million like they did with Severson, and they bench him for the third period of a game in, in game three or four of the season. So this is a rookie coach. I, I don't I don't have a problem. I remember, look, going back to Stevie Y, I remember Brian Murray. You know, we were frustrated with Stevie, the way he was playing. And, and so Brian sat him out a power play. He missed a power play. And it was like he missed two games, like it was a healthy scratch <laughs> for two games. You, with, with stars like that, you start off with taking a little bit of ice away from them, like a, a special, taking special ice away from them. You take power play away from them. You don't put them on the power play a couple of times. You don't think they get the message. That's as effective as missing as a guy missing the last nine minutes where you totally embarrass him in front of his teammates and the fans in a 1-1 game against Arizona that they happen to lose at home where they bench Goudreau and him. So I don't get that philosophy. I, I love I, – I don't have a problem with – you know, you have to discipline stars. You do, but you don't do it the same as you discipline a fourth line guy mm. with ice time. And and to me, I'm thinking with the, the the aggravation this has caused everybody in their organization, from the owner to the equipment manager, that and all the way to the fan base. They are vicious in Columbus over this, and it's all because of. You know, miss. I, look, I understand the guy, the coach is upset and they're playing horrible, but you got to think this through before just plunking stars on the bench that are owed a hundred million dollars between the two of them. I, I love the point you bring up there about the idea of ju- it does, like you can punish people. It just doesn't have to be forever. I mean, I can't remember the exact particulars about it, but there was a game, I think it was last year, might have been two ago, where Mitch Marner missed a shift and he went down and he smashed his stick in the tunnel. And guess what? We talked about it for four minutes and we moved on. Like, I, I, right. I think that's really important for you to uh, bring up. Switching gears uh, to, to the Leafs, having, having said that. You know, this is a team that's been flying high, then they had a break. Then they're flying high again, and now they're coming back for a break. What do you think is the challenge that, whether it be the leaders on the team, whether it be the coaching staff is going through, of just trying to, you know, keep these guys engaged with having these long stretches of time off in the middle of an NHL season? Well, I think it's, I think it's probably good for them. Uh, you know, when you're, when you're a skilled time off for skilled guys, doesn't affect it as as much as maybe lesser skilled guys. I mean, you know, they've got the great, you know, fine, you know, fine muscle, whatever it's called. And, you know, that I I don't think it affects them a little bit. I think, 
the Leafs right now look really good. For for once up front, I like the mix. I, I you know if Bertuzzi can keep it going with Tavares and Nylander, you got an unbelievable line there to complement Matthews and Marner. You know they're always going to be good, Matthews and Marner. Whoever's they they plunk in there, Nice, I guess is there right now, and hopefully he grows into it. But, you know, the, the, the problem I see for them, goaltending has been reasonably solid. Wall, I've, I'm thrilled with the way he's progressed. He looks like he's got a chance to be a real goaltender. Uh, Samsonov's been fine. I, I I just worry about the back end. I, I, don't, I don't think they're a Stanley Cup back end right now. I hope I'm wrong on that. I think after Riley... You know you're you're struggling. You know Riley's great. He's he's always been that real solid defenseman. To me, he's one of their good number two defense in the league. Brody's fine, but I mean Brody's got a lot of miles on him. Giordano's got a ton of miles on him, and I McCabe I is okay. I just I just Lilligrand's a good player. I just I I don't think it's a Stanley Cup blue line, and and Klingberg's been a big, a big disappointment. I really would like to see them, and I know this is tough on Brad. This is tough to find. Defense aren't easy to find, but to me, they're a couple defense away from being a, a team. I really believe that. Yeah, and, and pretty clearly that's an area they're going to attempt to, to fix up before the deadline or sooner. I mean, like, how, how unreasonable but, is it for – go ahead, Doug. But, but but I just saw – I just read Bourne's article the other day, you know, and he's, I love how he, how he breaks the – I, I don't know if it's Jason or Justin. I keep getting his name mixed it's up. Justin. Jason's the guy Steve, in, actually. In, in the, yeah. in the movie. Oh, okay. Scene. Yeah. Okay. So it's Beats Justin. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, Justin, uh, I love how he breaks stuff down. And, you know, defensively, the Leafs have been pretty sound mm-hmm. overall. They've been pretty sound. I mean, we st- they started off giving up a ton of goals against. Now it seems to have come down. But I still, I still don't believe they're good enough in the back end. And I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, can they go into the trade market? Like, can they jump the market? I, I don't know. I just said that the Flames are only two points back of a playoff spot. I don't, I don't know if they're in sell mode yet. But like, should they should they be knocking down the door trying to acquire a defenseman before the trade deadline? Well, you know, I looked at the two they're looking at. Tanev's got a Tanev's got a lot of miles on him. You know, there's no doubt a lot of hard miles. This kid. You know, I remember him from RIT when he was in college. This kid has got a lot of miles on that body because he's played so hard and he's competed so hard. But you still love what he brings to the table. You still love what he brings to the table. So Dorof's in and out for me. He's up and down, in and out. I mean, you think he's going to be a star one night and you think he's a minor leaguer the next. So, I mean, you know, he, he looks great. He looks great. He looks the part. He looks great in a suit, which is big with the Leafs. You got to look good in a suit when you're coming into the ring. But you know what? Uh, you know I, there are two possibilities that would help. But what's the price? And and our Calgary, Calgary's under the gun to be competitive too in that marketplace, and they're not going to give them away for nothing. So you know the, the Leafs should have the. You would think the Leafs should have the assets to make that deal. You would think, and uh, they're going to be trying like heck, uh, headed towards the deadline to, to fix that area of concern. The book is Draft Day, how hockey teams pick winners or get left behind. Uh, the author is Doug McLean. Doug, thanks for doing this. Guys, thanks for having me on. Appreciate the support and uh, all the best to the show, guys. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Thanks, Max. See ya. Okay, man. Happy Thanksgiving. That was like earnest from like not yeah, I know like, I was, I was like, expecting I was like, to be like, like for a couple of bums like you yeah, 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 yeah. waiting in the end that was very nice no it was it was extremely extremely nice yeah can, can I go full hockey nerd for two seconds on okay you? 
just like he got me thinking about it. So I pulled up the 2016 draft. What a weird draft. You got Matthews in line A, one, two, Dubois, three, mm-hmm. Pooley RV at four, who felt like the biggest bust of all time. But right beneath him, selected at five, was Ole Ulievi for the or for the Canucks there. He played 41 NHL games. Uh, with what could the Canucks have cooking there, imagine they could have turned that into something. Kachuk right after that, mm-hmm. and then Keller. Just a just a weird draft. Alex I could do this Nylander. all day. Alex Nylander at eight. Mikhail Sergachev at nine. Two mm-hmm. Spitfires taken in the top ten. Two London Knights. Mm-hmm. God, what an interesting draft. But Charlie McAvoy, probably the steal of it, at uh, 14 to Boston. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear... Doug McLean take that tact in talking about the Patrick Line situation, yeah, who, agreed. by the way, is on record after the scratches. Uh, it's probably over my career the most embarrassing thing that's happened to me. If your confidence isn't there, I don't know why you're going to find it eating popcorn watching the game. That's my opinion. I understand it, he said. But, like, yeah, that's the point. It's like, it's not, I mean, I, I guess if, hand up, have yeah. not been pouring over the Blue Jackets games uh, this also, season. Also, hand up. Also, Patrick Line. I think you know what he is. He's a pretty one-dimensional player. That one dimension yeah. is the most important dimension you can have in mm-hmm. scoring goals. But, yeah, and, and I'm sure there's an element of this, is like him not looking as engaged or sure. the effort level, blah, blah, blah. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. Like, it, I don't know what you hope to accomplish with a guy that's already locked up long-term. Like, this is... I, maybe it pays dividends. Maybe we see him on the ice tonight and he looks rejuvenated. Here's my guess, is that he's going to look as good as the puck going into the net looks that's, because that's the one thing he does. Yeah. Whatever the shooting percentage is, that's the percentage you like him as a player. It's like, Hey, 19%. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, 13%, little less, little less. Yeah. That's a great, great point. All right. Time now for the wake and rake presented by sports interaction, your homegrown sports book, bet local Raptors in action on the back end of back-to-backs against a team that almost put up 160 points yesterday. The Indiana Pacers, they're in Indiana. So the Pacers also playing on the back half of back-to-backs. This is not an in-season tournament game, but the Pacers only favored by three and a half. They're the best offensive team in the NBA. The Raptors, quite notably, are not. Uh, This feels like such a short line that I'm Mm -hmm. a little bit curious about it, but I look at these two teams as not three and a half points difference. And the Pacers at home, I I don't know how you're not – taking the Pacers minus the points. Yeah, Pacers minus the point. Even the money line is kind of short, like minus 167 there. Uh-huh. Yeah, you feel really good about the Pacers. Definitely take the points, though, because, yeah, I don't think it's going to be all that difficult for them tonight. Yeah, I, again, like the the line being so short yeah. makes it a little bit curious. Yes. Vegas has an idea about these things. Generally speaking. But I, I didn't see a Raptors team that's going to hang within three and a half points of the team that almost put up 160 against the Hawks yesterday. I guess the the rationale would be the Raptors can be pretty Jekyll and Heidi. One team one night, different team the next. But, That's true. Yeah. Every time you think they're dead, they come That's back true. and, you know, come back from 20 points down against the Spurs or beat a, a Mavericks team that's going to be atop the Western Conference. The godfather three of, of NBA teams. Mm, okay. Just when you thought it was out, pull me back in. Okay. I thought you were going to say they're as bad as godfather no. three. Okay. No. I mean, yes. Yeah. That too. <laughs> All right. Uh, Oilers back in action in Carolina. Taking on the Hurricanes on Sportsnet, the Hurricanes are favored naturally at minus one forty-three. With the Oilers and all their concerns, are plus minus or uh, plus uh, one twenty. The total six and a half. And for me, until the Oilers get a real goaltender mm-hmm. who can play, and and especially now that Connor McDavid's like heating up, had a couple of goals, like over, over, over. And you know the majority of Hurricanes games have gone over mm-hmm. the six and a half 
this season or almost the, yeah, like about half of the games have gone over the six and a half total for the Hurricanes, despite that incredible blue line. Yeah, I like the total. Yeah, you have to go over minus 115. I look at the one and a half spread, but the Oilers, they feel like even if they're losing that empty netter, I do, well, it's lurking out there. So mm-hmm. I'd stay away from that. Just go with the over minus 115, six and a half there. That was the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. When we come back, Raptors stink. Will they be less stinking tonight? We'll talk to Blake Murphy of the Raptors show next as the fan morning show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.